Welcome back to Rough in the Basket, the podcast that may not be number one, but at least we are not going to get knocked out of the divisional round as one seed, like the two teams that did over the last weekend. So there's that. But yeah, uh, it, it was a really, really good playoff games compared to the week before. The week before was a little bit boring, a little bit underwhelming, but this one really, uh, I mean, all games were decided by three points or less, except yeah. for the game that went into overtime. So good stuff. But how, how are you doing, Brandon? Uh, fantastic, Noah. This weekend, in terms of football, like a playoff football weekend, this was probably the best weekend of football I've ever watched. I don't know about you, but every single game was exciting. You mentioned it. Three games ended off of a game-winning field goal. And then the last game, which was probably the best one out of any of them, ended in overtime. I think it was a massive success for the NFL and I mean, if you're someone who's – I don't know if you'll be listening to this and, and not watch football, but this is the perfect – this was the perfect week. If you ever wanted to get yourself into the NFL and football, this was it. And I think this proved that football is the best sport in the world. That, that's what I'm saying in Colombia, bro. Like, people out here watching soccer, I'm like, hey, man, soccer's cool and all, but what about – Ron football. What about the real football, you real know? Real fo- American but, football, man. Yeah, if there's anybody from Colombia Columbia here that's listening to this podcast right now, they just cut it off. But that's that's, okay. <laughs> that's what I'm um, fine. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, dude, it's uh, it definitely was a crazy week, man. Like I was watching the Titans game. And I just gotta say, you know, props to the Bengals. I don't want to discount what they did because Joe Burrow, the fact that he was able to throw for 300 yards while being sacked nine times, I I saw a statistic where it was like he was the first quarterback since I think Donovan McNabb in 2002 or 2003 to win a playoff game after being sacked eight times or more. I don't know when, when the last time was when somebody got sacked nine times and won. Uh, I did not find that stat, unfortunately, but saying that in itself is incredible. And I don't want to take away anything what the Bengals are doing because they are on the right track. We've said this a million times, but from what I saw, the Tennessee defense played really, really well. The problem, the overwhelming problem here was that Tennessee just gave away the game in my eyes. I think they had it, and all they had to do was keep running the ball. They had all the momentum, man. Like, one one thing that really stood out was when there was about, I believe, eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken, and they were they were driving down the field. They they had um, all the time in the world. You know, they were uh, – they, they had Derrick Henry, who didn't have a good game up until this point, but he started to gain more momentum. He came out of the game real quick. And then they had Dante Foreman, this guy who barely has had any screen time over the last few years, came in, uh, ripped off a 56-yard rush, and then immediately after, instead of running the ball like they were doing very effectively, the Bengals' defense had no answer for them, finally got their way. Immediately, they throw the ball, and it's an interception. I, I was screaming at my TV when, when I saw that. And I didn't really have a, a preference on who I wanted to win. I just wanted to see good football. And I was like, man, this is not good football. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get the play calling. I genuinely think that the, the Titans threw away this game. And there's there's several other examples I could go into. Even the, the first play of the game, Noah, what happened on the first play of the game? Ryan Tannehill, uh, it was a play action pass. Ryan Tannehill drops back. <laughs> throws an interception. The first play of the game was an interception thrown by Ryan Tannehill. He stared down. I believe it was Julio Jones and Jesse Bates got the interception. I feel like that right there told me what type of game we were going to be watching. And I just, look, I think it's a mixture of bad play calling because there was bad play calling. 
I think the Titans should have ran the ball more. Like you mentioned with that Dante Foreman run, I think you have to keep pounding the rock, but then they just kind of continued to put the ball in Ryan Tannehill's hands. And look, I know play calling was bad, but Ryan Tannehill, he's average. He, to me, is just an average quarterback to mediocre quarterback in the NFL. And I think he's a system quarterback. You know, with him, there wasn't too much. There was some success in Miami, but not a lot. His 2020 season was fantastic. And I think that was a, a, a big part of it was because of that Titans system that they had. They had Derrick Henry out there. And, you know, obviously A.J. Brown was starting to come into his own, which, by the way, A.J. Brown was carrying the Titans offense in this game, I thought. Um, I just, with Ryan Tannehill, I just feel like that he, there's a ceiling when it comes to the Titans. Like, the Titans were the number one seed, but everyone's aspirations are the Super Bowl. I don't think Ryan Tannehill has taken you to a Super Bowl. So, I think the Titans have to look at themselves and say, okay, we gave Ryan Tannehill this big contract, which was a mistake. What do we do now? Do we move on from Ryan Tannehill? Do we try to go big game hunting, get a Russell Wilson? I don't think Aaron Rodgers would go there, but do you go big game hunting and try to get him? Do you try to go ahead and try to trade for a Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins or someone along those lines? Because you have a Super Bowl roster. You have A.J. Brown, who I think is an elite wide receiver. I would say that he's in that top seven range, you have one of the best running backs in football in Derrick Henry. I think, you know, he was, he's coming off a pretty serious injury. And I know they put like, um, I think they had like metal plates on his foot, on his chest. I don't know. He was cyborg basically. And you have a defense who you mentioned had nine sacks against Joe Burrow. They have a guy in Jeffrey Simmons who, I think should be placed among among the top three defensive tackles in in the NFL. He's fantastic. And then you just, you have a good team. You have a good head coach. I think Mike Vrabel is a good head coach, but at the end of the day, I think your quarterback is really holding you back. And on top of the bad play calling, I think Ryan Tannehill really showed that he isn't that he isn't all that. And I think the Titans should really look at themselves and say, we should be in the market for a quarterback. We should try to go and trade for somebody. I don't know if you draft somebody, but I would strongly consider if I'm the Titans to try to go big game hunting and get a quarterback in that room that is not Ryan Tannehill because I just don't think he's taken you to the Super Bowl. And this team is a Super Bowl team. They have to go out there and look elsewhere. So I will say that I do agree with you that Ryan Tannehill is a system quarterback and he does have a ceiling uh, and that ceiling may not be that high. However, on the contrary, I don't want to defend Ryan Tannehill because I do believe that this loss is on his shoulders. But, it, you know, the last two years he has played like a top 10, 11, 12 quarterback in the league, at least in that range. I'm not going to say he's he's in the top 10 because this season he kind of threw that out of the window, but he is an average quarterback in the right situation with the right pieces around him. And I will say the the one piece of defense I can offer to this situation is that quarterbacks do not grow on trees. You know, prior to this, they had who was it? Marcus Mariota. Prior to that, they had Jake Walker. Prior to that, I don't even remember who they had during that season when they were like two and 14, but I know prior to that, they had Vince Young and they had Kerry, Kerry Collins, both yep. of those guys. Well, Vince Young was overall a bust. 
even though he made it on the Madden cover somehow. And, uh, and Kerry Collins, uh, who was at that point like 40 years old and he was just getting them by. So uh, my point is, is that they haven't had that much success at quarterback. They've had very average quarterbacks. And I, I want to see Marcus Mariota start again, though, uh, side note. But um, I think he's grown a lot and maybe he could move a team in the right direction now. But he was very, very average with the Titans. And he essentially lost his job to Ryan Tannehill who was another average quarterback. So I think with that being said, even though this loss is on his shoulders, and I do think that they should evaluate their quarterback position and see if they can upgrade with somebody, maybe like uh, if that accusation's clear, maybe Deshaun Watson or maybe a guy like Aaron Rodgers, long shot here, but they do have a team that's ready to win. So maybe Aaron Rodgers will go there. He, he said himself, he's not down for a rebuild. So there, there are a lot of pieces here in play where maybe they could get a quarterback that, is more proved over Ryan Tannehill, but these guys do not grow on trees. And there is a lot of bad quarterback play in the NFL or a lot of average playing quarterbacks in the NFL. So I will say, I do think it is a little bit hard to replace a quarterback like that. It is. I mean, it is, you know, it's hard to get a good quarterback. You know, we were, when we were making our top 10 quarterbacks list, it's hard. There's not a lot of, you know, there, there's the top, the cream of the crop, obviously, but then, you know, you see the tier list and you just start to see guys who, you know, get into that third tier, the fourth tier that are just not that great. And I feel like Ryan Tannehill is around that tier three. I just feel like if you can upgrade the quarterback position, I would try to, I think, evaluate it and see what is out there and see if you can work or and facilitate something. I think Derek Carr would be fantastic, by the way. I mean, Derek Carr was my 10th best quarterback this season. I really feel like that he would fit in with that team. Um, but if you can't, then I, you can you can try rolling the dice again. And then if it doesn't work again, then you then you can try getting rid of Ryan Tannehill. I know that his contract makes it kind of tough for him this season. So you're going to have to try to find a team that would take on that contract. But after that, then it gets a little bit easier. So in 2023, maybe the Titans decide to go a different direction, but it's just really disappointing because the, you're the number one seed. This team has been the number one seed multiple times. I think they're the first team in NFL history to lose their last three playoff games in the, in the divisional round when they were the number one seed. So it's just been disappointing. And I really hope they do decide to go and upgrade the quarterback position, but we'll have to see in terms of real quick, Joe Burrow, him getting sacked nine times and having that performance that he did, I just give him a lot of credit because that interior of the Bengals offensive line is putrid. It is awful. That guard, I think his name was like Hakeem Adenji or something. Number 77 was getting destroyed by Jeffrey Simmons in this game. And we'll get into the, you know, the AFC championship game, but I think that's going to be a really key factor right there. And well, Joe Burrow is awesome, and I just I, I really learned in this game to never count him out because I think he's proven since LSU that this guy shows up in big games, and I really hate myself for picking the Titans just because I was really on the really high on the Bengals this season. But Joe Burrow, I I, I really do think that his NFL future is very bright, and I think he's someone that's gonna be one of those guys in the forefront of the future of the NFL, which I think we're we'll also get into later, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening in the next round when they verse the chiefs. But as for the Titans, they, 
have a lot to a lot to uh to to do this offseason in terms of what they're going to be doing with Ryan Tannehill and some other things going on with that team. Yeah, I've heard it coined already, the phrase January Joe. Uh, I mean, this guy, he, he lives lives for January. He lives for the playoffs, lives yep. for the championship games. And he kind of came out of nowhere when you really think about it. Like a few years ago, he was a nobody at LSU, and then he just worked hard, ended up winning the job. And, uh, I mean, just killed it from there. Ended up winning the, the – uh, he won the Heisman that year, right? Heisman, national championship, the LSU yeah, didn't yeah, lose. Right. And then following year – ends up playing really well with the Bengals. I believe he was one of the first quarterbacks ever to have like five or six 300-yard 300 uh, 300 games in a single season as a rookie with something like that. He was uh, he really effective, came down with an awful injury, horrific injury after playing so well, and then bounces back this year, makes the playoffs on a team that was expected to be a bottom feeder in the league, and then even with a terrible offensive line, continues to show that he has a lot of value that he can contribute to a team. And that's why I, I again, I, I hate comparing Justin Herbert to Joe Burrow because I think it's a, an absolute tragedy that he, Justin Herbert did not make the playoffs this year. And I will say that again because that, that defense and just the way that that whole game went against the Raiders and, I mean, the way they played too against the Texans that week was just, uh, it, was, it was terrible. So, anyways, my point being is that uh, I don't know if I'm ready to say Joe Burrow is better than Justin Herbert, but right now I think just to, due to his performance, he definitely has a leg up because he's made it to the playoffs despite having a terrible offensive line. If Joe Burrow can go into Kansas City, be Patrick Mahomes, and take the Cincinnati Bengals to the Super Bowl, I will put Joe Burrow over Justin Herbert. That will, that that will do great. it for me. Yeah. yeah. Hats off to them. They've been killing it, but – I do want to get into the next game, which is the Packers and, of course, the 49ers. And, mm-hmm. man, hey, 49ers own Aaron Rodgers. That's all I'm going to say. 0-4 <laughs> in the playoffs. Yep. You know, when I saw this loss, I, I saw Aaron Rodgers lose another game like this. I was just thinking back to the season when he just yelled out multiple times against the Bears, I still own you, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. and I was just thinking, man, the, the 49ers probably yelling that Aaron Rodgers uh, when he was walking off the field. It's a, it's a tragedy, I think, for the NFL. It's sad. I, I think a lot of fans are rejoicing about this because Aaron Rodgers is not that universally liked in the NFL. But I, I did want to see them win and put up more of a fight. And I, I will – it's hard to take away a lot of blame from Aaron Rodgers because you can't really uh, take away the credit from Joe Burrow when he's been sacked nine times and then try to take away all the – all the negativity from Aaron Rodgers when he was playing in like negative one degrees, you know, because he didn't get sacked as much as Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow still won his game. Joe Burrow had to put up more points or at least get them down the field more to give them more points than the the Green Bay Packers needed to win their game. And they couldn't do it. Hmm. So, you know, at this point, I think it's hundred percent guaranteed Aaron Rodgers will not be a Packer next year. Just after this loss and losing to the 49ers again like that, I think, any sane football fan will say there's no chance of him coming back. And it's it's sad to see his career end like this as a Packer. But the 49ers, that defense is scary, man. Nick Bosa, we were talking about his injury, and he still played, still had a phenomenal impact. It seemed like every play he was getting in there and causing some kind of disruption. And the 49ers just overwhelmed Aaron Rodgers, like they've done in other playoff performances. And even though this offense for the 49ers may not be that great, apart from maybe two or three guys on offense, Jimmy Garoppolo, again, I would say he's 
in the lower tier as Ryan Tannehill, and he still wins games. Like it, it's it blows my mind how is it how this team is able to win games despite this man or how putting it in a different words like it seems like whenever he's out there they win although they don't deserve to win offensively apart from Debo Samuels yes. so it, it's it's a, one of those mind-blowing things that maybe we'll never figure out in the NFL I don't know maybe he did some voodoo or like sold his soul or something <laughs> but I have no idea but somehow they win games with him somehow I don't know but that defense and special teams really really made the overall uh, point that the the, the Green Bay Packers offense just failed to make. Yeah, I mean, this game, I think I was really surprised more so of the dud that the Packers offense kind of put out there. But if you look at the stat sheet, Devontae Adams had nine catches, 90 yards, right? It's not a 100-yard game, but it's a, it's a solid game for Devontae Adams, right? Aaron Jones had 100 receiving yards, but... Most of his yards were off of a busted play. It was a 75-yard flick of the wrist down the field by Rodgers to, to Aaron Jones. And most of those yards came out of came off of a blown coverage, right? Alan Lazard had six yards, one catch, and no other Packers receiver had no no other Packers receiver caught a pass. Mercedes Lewis had one catch for zero yards. The Packers have failed to get Aaron Rodgers help outside of Devontae Adams in the receiving department, and I think it showed up in this game because if you really think about it, the 49ers' job was very easy. They were just able to kind of key in on Devontae Adams and just let these other guys beat you, and they couldn't beat them. Six, like, really think about that. Alan Lazard had one catch for six yards. No other receiver had a single catch. And Mercedes Lewis had one catch for zero yards. Like, it's just a shame that the Packers have gone all these years to fail to draft a receiver in the first round. I mean, you, you could just think of all the receivers that they've passed on. You can think of A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel. They passed on uh, Brandon Ayuk, I think, was picked um, – before or after the Packers were picking, I believe. Um, it's just, it's, it's a shame. And you really, you really can see why Aaron Rodgers is frustrated. And I think earlier this year, I was pretty confident that he was going to come back just because I saw how the Packers were doing, but this is a real kill shot. If I'm a Packers fan right now, shout out to Dylan. I would be devastated uh, because I don't think Aaron Rodgers is coming back. I think this is it for him. I think the Packers are going to start to rebuild. We'll see if Jordan Love is the answer. I'm not so sure about that. Based off of the game that we saw this season, he has the potential, but in college, he was a guy that was a very, uh, he, he used to throw a lot of interceptions, take a lot of high calculated risks and kind of made some poor decisions with the ball. So you're going to have to try building around that guy. I think with Aaron Rodgers, I don't think he's going to retire. I think that he's going to play football again. And some teams that I feel like that could make sense. I know Denver's a name that kind of comes up a lot. And I think it makes a lot of sense just because I believe the Denver Broncos are top 10 in cap space. So they can afford to bring him in. I think Devontae Adams is going to follow. So I think that could be a situation where Devontae Adams could sign there as well. Um but I think the I know the Broncos had given Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick a, a, a contract extension, so I feel like one of them 
would probably get get shipped off to Green Bay in a in a deal for Aaron Rodgers. But I know the Raiders; they're another team that could be a, a quarterback needy if they decide to trade Derek Carr for Aaron Rodgers. They can do something like that. I think the Colts. Shout out to Jason Pombo; he actually mentioned this one to me. A dark horse could be them, just because I think how they miss the postseason. I think Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard are kind of looking to be aggressive. I think they were very disappointed with the outcome of their season. And I feel like making a move for Aaron Rodgers could be a splashy move. Think about how close Aaron Rodgers is to with Pat McAfee. That could play a factor. I feel like Pat McAfee would be probably in his ear telling him, hey, come play for the Colts, right? And the Colts have the cap space. They can bring in Devontae Adams if they really wanted to. So that could be a situation as well. But I think Rodgers, I think for him, I think he still has an itch to play. I think he wants to win another Super Bowl because I think he knows that a lot of people have been coming after him because he just has one. I think if he wants to get himself, you know, in that GOAT conversation or higher than what people think of him right now, I think he needs to win another Super Bowl. And I think that's an important thing for his legacy. So I do believe that he will probably look to go to a different team, I think Devontae Adams is going to be coming with him and they're going to try running it back with a different team. And I, and that's what's going to end up happening. It really shows you how hard it is to win a Super Bowl. When you look at the top five quarterbacks of all time, right? You probably have Brady up there. I'm probably going to miss like a really important name, but you have Brady up there. I mean, Favre is pro- might be outside the top five. At this Joe point, Montana. He's up there. Joe Montana. I mean, he won four, but Brady's got seven. But then you look at other guys like Peyton Manning had, I mean, he, he, might have deserved more than two, but he only has two. And the one that he won at the end, he probably didn't deserve because he had nine touchdowns against 17 interceptions and didn't play half the season. So there's that conversation. And then, uh, you know, uh, this guy's way outside of the top 10, but you have Eli Manning, who was a t- decent quarterback, won two Super Bowls. Ben Roethlisberger won two, but both of them won it in a span of four years. And you go outside of that, they never won again. You know, I, I know I'm kind of all over here with this point, but it's just so hard to win a Super Bowl. So to see what Brady has done winning seven, it's just phenomenal. And speaking of Tom Brady, he's out of the playoffs. He will not be winning another Super Bowl this year, unfortunately, for uh, Brady fans. But it was a good run for him, and I felt like he did everything he really could. I mean, when you had a wide receiver as talented as Antonio Brown just quit on you in the middle of a game versus the Jets, and then you still come back and win that game, even though you're down by 10 you had your uh, probably number one wide receiver, Chris Godwin, go down with an injury and he's out for the year. You know, you had, uh, apart from that, you still had Gronk, you still had Mike Evans, but then after that, it kind of like goes down and goes off the, the train really. And you, mm-hmm. you don't really have that much more help besides that. Mm-hmm. And you're facing a Rams team that is literally built for Super Bowl contention. They have literally given away all their future just to contend now. So when you look at that, like, I mean, he met his match. The Rams defense played pretty well, the, the Rams offense, especially that play at the end of the game. And when I saw that Tom Brady was down by 13 points, I didn't count them out yet. I was like, wow, this is kind of surprising. But then I, a few plays later, they're tied. And then I think there was like 40, 45 seconds left, something like that. And then Matthew Stafford has that bomb down the field with Cooper, uh, Cooper Cup. He just runs down the field and they get that field goal, win the game. And as a Lions fan, even though – Matthew Stafford never won a single playoff game with the Lions, even though he should have against the Cowboys at one time. They got screwed over. I just want that to be out there. <laughs> Shout out Austin. He's a, he's a Cowboys fan that listens to this, so he's going to hate that. But it's true. That, that was 
I forgot the call exactly. I think there was a pass interference that shouldn't have been called, something like that. But yep. uh, I just remember they got screwed over. Anyways, Matthew Stafford, I am so happy for him as a Lions fan. And I'm I'm curious what the majority of the fan base really thinks of this because I'm kind of torn, torn, to be honest. Like, I want to see him win as a Lions fan, but at the same time, it's hard for me to digest that he's had so much success with the Rams, but he didn't with the Lions. But again, then again, it shows the importance of the situation in that football, even though we view it as really – a quarterback position where if you're a dominant quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, a dominant quarterback like who's another guy that's uh, like Russell uh, Wilson or uh, a dominant quarterback like maybe Ben Roethlisberger has been for a, a while. Maybe he's not anymore, but he was. We are expecting these people every single year to win championships. And it's more than that. It's a team sport. And I think that's mm-hmm. one thing that we really have to emphasize and remember is like, I mean, that game with the, the 49ers, again, that was decided with special teams. We, we never bring up special teams, yep. but it can really decide a game sometimes. The Raiders, if they didn't have Daniel Carlson, probably wouldn't have made the playoffs. I mean, it went 17 for 17. Those games decided by uh, three, four points or less in the final, like, six, seven weeks of the uh, – I almost said school year, bro. I got my mind on school right now <laughs> uh, throughout, throughout the year. So, with that being said, I mean, you really need to put in perspective that this is a team game – and I mean, I'm happy for the Rams. I'm happy to see Odell Beckham. Sorry, I have success again because he's forgotten about for a while. And I'm happy to see this uh, this team that has so much talent finally show their worth and move on in the playoffs. This was Matthew Stafford's legacy game. I think this was it. That throw that he had to Cooper Cup. Now, as a Lions fan, you have you know, like Matthew Stafford, I feel like people don't understand this. He is one of the most clutch quarterbacks in the NFL. He's extremely clutch, extremely. He is one of the most clutch quarterbacks in the NFL. I think he's seventh all-time in game-winning drives. He's tied with Matt Ryan for seventh all-time in game-winning drives. And I think Matthew Stafford's also, he had, in 2016, I think he had eight game-winning drives, which is the most all-time in a single season, by the way. So Matthew Stafford can get it done. And he was with the Detroit Lions, too. Not like obviously not a great team, as you know, but like this guy, he's good. And I just think a lot of people kind of give him a lot of disrespect. Like this guy can play in the NFL and that throw that he made to Cooper Cup, which by the way, Cooper Cup, I think as I think he's probably inserted himself. He has to be at least a top 10 wide receiver. But if you want to put him inside your top five, I would not be mad because he's showing up in the postseason. That throw against the cover zero defense, which I don't know why the Bucs were running that in the first place. It's got, I think, in the Dominican Sioux in his face, kind of throws that ball in a perfect spot for Cooper Cup to, to make a play on it. And he, he, he made that throw. Like Matthew Stafford, I think, proved to a lot of people that he can get it done. And I'm very happy for him uh, as someone, you know, obviously who hasn't had a lot of success in his NFL career him making that type of play in that type of moment preventing Tom Brady for making history again. The Bucs were down 27 to three, I think at one point in this game and they stormed all the way back inside the game. And Matthew Stafford was able to overcome that and weeds that game winning drive off of that big play to Cooper cup just says a lot about Matthew Stafford, but real quick, well, probably not even real quick is we're going to get into Tom Brady. Well, I want to. So, I think the biggest story of this game, obviously the aftermath is, is Tom Brady done? And look, it's, it's crazy to kind of say that obviously, because I mean, we've Tom Brady's been in the NFL now for 
over 20 years. He's going to be turning 45 in August. But I think this might be the first time where I've seen him. I don't know if you saw the quotes, but he was talking about it on his podcast, how this was like the first time where it seems like that his mind isn't 100% confirmed to come back to play football because he was kind of talking about, oh, it'll depend on my family. Uh, it, it'll be the decision will be made solely on what's best for them as a father to my children, a husband to Giselle, like all these types of things. And you don't really see Tom Brady kind of bring that up a lot when he's talking about playing football. So it kind of makes me feel like that he could be out the door. Now I know some people have said that this could potentially be leveraged to get Bruce Arians out of there, which could be a possibility, but you really just never hear Tom Brady say things like that. And it's really, you know, it's surprising. And I think he also had a quote where he said, like, I feel as if he, he feels proud of himself for what he's done at this point. And if he decided to hang up, hang it up now, I don't think he'd be disappointed, which I mean, what does Tom Brady have left to prove? He has nothing left to prove. He has hold, he holds every virtually every single quarterback record. He's won seven Super Bowls which is the most by any single player in the history of the NFL. He's has the most wins, most passing yards, most completions, probably most touchdowns. He holds every record. I, I just don't think there's anything else that Tom Brady needs to do on a football field. And he's been the goat for a few years now, I feel like. And I just think for him, there's really nothing else to prove. So if he decides to walk away from football, I would not be upset. And I think what we're starting to hear from him when he's talking about his family being a big part of this decision and, you know, him coming up with uh, the Brady brand, the new clothing brand, him kind of pushing that and obviously the TB12 products and all the other things that Tom Brady is starting to do. He has his own NFT. Like, I think he's really starting to kind of focus into that business aspect of his life. And I really do feel like that if he's saying things like this, then I do feel like that this is going to be it for him. Now, it's not the way that he wants to end off. Obviously, I think, you know, he, he would love to end off winning a Super Bowl. But I think what, what we're starting to hear from him, though, is him saying like, oh, I feel content from what if I were to retire, I would feel content with it. And I wouldn't feel like I haven't accomplished everything, which he has, but where he feels that he's accomplished everything. So I just think that if he decides to retire, I won't be surprised, but I think at, at the very most, he will play one more season. Next season would be his last season, but if he decides to retire now, I don't think people should be surprised, and it will be very interesting to see what Tampa Bay does with their quarterback situation because now that really puts them in a very shaky situation. Uh, yeah, Tampa Bay would fall off without Tampa Bay, uh, without Tom Brady. Let's yeah. be real. It, it's Tampa Bay, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Tampa <laughs> so, Bay. I mean, with that being said, yeah, they would fall off without him. There's no doubt in my mind. And by falling off, I don't mean maybe they would be like 1 in 16, but I think they would definitely be 5 in 12, 4 in mm-hmm. – I don't know. Maybe they would get to six or seven wins. They did it with uh, Jameis Winston when he had that 30 for 30 season with Bruce Arians. So maybe they'll get to eight or nine wins, but they're definitely not going to be in Super Bowl contention anymore. I think that's for sure. I I think Brady is going to come back. I think he is going to play one last season. You know, I said in the prior, uh, prior podcast that he would get to 47, I believe. 
But now I just don't think that's possible because I do think that the family aspect is starting away on his mind, even though if he wanted, I think he could play till 47 for sure with the talent he has. But I think he is starting to feel the effects maybe of football, even if it's not evident on a football field. And he is starting to think about family and the mental piece when your mind is not in it, it's like the talent kind of goes out the window too. So I'm not saying he would, he would suck or anything, but I don't think we would, maybe he still would be having 40 touchdown season. I'm not going to rule that out with Tom Brady, but I think it's just, uh, I mean, like you said, there's nothing else for him to prove. He's done everything. So if he, if he is done, I mean, hey, he's had a great career, but I just, I see him coming back for one more year at least. Yeah, which I think is, at most, it's one more season. But again, if he decides to hand it up, I would not be surprised. And like, look, I think he played, the off Tampa Bay's offense did get off to a rough start in this game. But I think a huge reason why they did lose this game was Tristan Wirfs their all pro right tackles and in play in this game. And you just kind of saw Tom Brady was getting pressured on almost every single play. They put their, they had their backup right tackle in and right when they put Aaron Donald on him, I knew it was a wrap. So I think the bucks kind of adjusted with that and kind of gave him, give, gave him some help on that right side. But then you saw Donovan Smith, their left tackle just get beat and beat by uh I think Vaughn Miller was on that side. He, Vaughn Miller was just killing him on that side. Um, and Donovan Smith had been playing pretty good all season long, but he really did get exposed in this game. And I think you kind of saw that where Vaughn Miller was kind of eating him alive at some points in this game. And Tom Brady was just, I mean, he was pressured a lot in this game. So it definitely threw things off, but It'll be really interesting. I think if Tom Brady decides to retire, I think Tampa Bay has a roster where they could definitely win now. It just would be interesting to see what they do because I know they have Kyle Trask, who they drafted, I believe, in the second round. I was a little iffy on him uh, coming into the draft, but, I mean, if you learn behind Tom Brady, maybe he ends up being a guy that could be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Who knows? But now – Here's, a, here, here's my theory that could potentially happen. What if Tom Brady decides to retire and Aaron Rodgers decides to go to Tampa Bay? Do you don't, you don't think that would happen? No, nah, I don't think so. I don't think he wants to follow in Tom Brady's footsteps. I really don't. Fair. Okay. Which that's fair. Uh, just a theory out there. I don't know if he would want to, but it's, it, it's just going to be interesting because even, even today, Sean Payton left as the New Orleans Saints head coach. So, that division gets really interesting if Tom Brady decides to retire. I just kind of feel like that any team could probably win. Um, it's, it's, it just seems like if Tom Brady were to retire, it just gets really weak. So Tampa Bay, I feel like, should capitalize and see if they could trade for a veteran quarterback if Tom Brady were to retire because you have a weak division right at the moment because, I mean, I know Matt Ryan's still there, but the Falcons – they had a decent record, but I just think that had, that was a product of playing bad teams. And then you look at the Carolina Panthers. They haven't figured out their quarterback situation. The Saints just lost Sean Payton, and they have a quarterback situation that's kind of questionable right now. So if you're Tampa Bay and Tom Brady retires, I would look to see what's out there and see if you can make a move for a veteran quarterback. I'm not going to doubt that. I still say one more season, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, there's definitely a lot that can happen in the offseason and a lot, endless possibilities, really. But I do want to get down to the final game because this game 
maybe the most exciting NFL game I have ever seen in my life. And a lot of people have said that. It's not just me. This game was crazy, man. I mean, you had two guys trying to prove that they can do whatever the other guy can do better than what that guy can do. It was back and forth. The last two minutes of this game were absolutely absurd, man. I, I got to give it to Josh Allen for hanging in there with Patrick Mahomes. I thought I was right about one thing. I did say that I thought that the 49ers Packers game was going to be closer than the Bills Chiefs game. I take it as you will, because I did think that the Packers were going to win. And also I did not think this game was going to go into overtime. So take it as you will, but I was technically right. But going off of that, I mean, I, I want to say that if the Bills got the ball first in overtime, I do think they would have won the game. Mm -hmm. I will say that this literally came down to a coin flip because both both defenses were so gassed and so winded just by these two phenomenal quarterbacks. Like, I, I don't think we're that far off. Maybe two years, three years away from starting to put Josh Allen into the Aaron Rodgers category, into the Patrick Mahomes category. He needs a championship to, to be in that category. I will say that. But I don't think he's that far away from dethroning uh, – I don't want to say Patrick Mahomes, but dethroning the Chiefs at least. I don't think the Bills are that far away from dethroning the Chiefs because we saw how close this game really was. But at the end of the day, the Chiefs just figure out how to win games, man. As simple as that. They have the experience, and I said – Nine times out of 10 experience wins in the playoffs. We saw that with the 49ers. Uh, we saw that with basically, I mean, every team that won over the last week, they have the experience to do so. And I think with this game in particular, I was just so, so, uh, I don't know how, to it. I was so um, ready to see that Patrick Mahomes do it again, because I'm just so used to him doing it and used to pulling out these games. So, I mean, hats off to them, but this game was crazy, man. This was one of the best games I've ever seen. And I know you said that at the beginning. I'm one of those people who also thinks that. And I think Josh Allen's not that far off from Patrick Mahomes. Now, I think if I think if Josh Allen were, were to win the Super Bowl this year, it would be really interesting because I feel like that I might be lenient to put him over Patrick Mahomes. But I think they deserve to be in the same tier. I know Pat, I know Josh Allen doesn't have that Super Bowl yet, but I think talent-wise, they are two of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think we what we've seen in a, in a long time. Um, Josh Allen was incredible this game. And look, the guy can play the guy can play football. I know his first season wasn't great. I know his second season, you know, he was starting to get into his zone, but this guy, what he was able, what the Bills were able to do to develop this kid into what he is now is incredible. And we just, we watched two aliens play. Like Patrick Mahomes is an alien. Josh Allen is an alien. We saw, I think potentially Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning. Like that, I think this is, I think this is going to be the new rival rivalry in the NFL. I think these two quarterbacks are going to be the forefront of the future of the NFL. Because, I mean, the NFL, I think, right now is in really good hands for the future because, all right, you got Mahomes, you got Allen, you got Herbert, you got Burrow. And if you want to put, like, Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson because they're two very exciting quarterbacks, you can probably put them in there. But I think the NFL has a very bright future with these quarterbacks. And you could just kind of see how loaded the AFC is, by the way, because – like five of those five out of six of those quarterbacks I named were from are from the AFC. So 
just shows how loaded the AFC is. But this game in particular was absolutely incredible. There were 25 points scored in the last two minutes of regulation. 25 points. You just saw, I mean, Gabriel Davis had 200 yards and four touchdowns. A guy who has kind of been seen as like a second to third option on this team, having the game that he did because Kansas City kind of really keyed in on Stephon Diggs, which which was a good idea, but it gave Gabriel Davis an opportunity to kind of showcase what he can do. And you just saw these two quarterbacks just go back and forth, back and forth. And it was one of the best games I've seen in a long time to watch these two quarterbacks go to work. And I know the big thing is the overtime rules and stuff, which in my opinion, I think for the NFL playoffs, they should change it. I think for the regular season, you can keep it how it is, but I think for the NFL playoffs, you got to make some sort of, you got to make some sort of uh, way to what the team, get, the other team get the ball because it's winner goes home. And I think you're right, Noah, where, if the Bills got that one that's coin toss and they got the ball, they were winning that football game. I, I said, I was like, whoever wins this coin toss is winning the football game. No, not none of these defenses can make a play. And that's what we saw. And Patrick Mahomes went right down the field, found Travis Kelsey for the game winning touchdown. And it was just, it was incredible. And I'm just really excited to see these two quarterbacks and these two teams go up against each other for a long time it it was fireworks the bills had the weed with 13 seconds left if you told me that the bills were to take the weed off a touchdown with 13 seconds left i feel like i would have said the bills would have won the game but patrick mahomes he found travis kelsey on a 25 yard play puts the chiefs right into field goal range and they go to overtime bills never touch the ball again and that's what ends up happening but this was incredible and Real quick about Patrick Mahomes. If Patrick Mahomes takes the Chiefs to a Super Bowl and wins it, it, I don't know if it's crazy to say this, but I think he's following a Tom Brady career path. Now, to be the next Tom Brady is very difficult, but I think if Patrick Mahomes can do it and take this team to another Super Bowl and win it again and go two for three in his last three Super Bowls and make it to the big game three times in a row – I think he can do it. Patrick Mahomes, the really the only dud that he's had in the postseason was probably the Super Bowl last year. But if you watch the game, you know that the, the Chiefs offensive line was putrid against that Tampa Bay pass rush. Patrick Mahomes, other than that, has been flawless in the postseason. So I just think that if he wins that Super Bowl, I really do feel like that he's going to be someone who – um, it's it's again it's hard to take to to pass Tom Brady and I th- I think it will take a long time for anyone to do it but if I were to put my money on any player that is in the NFL currently who possibly could pass Tom Brady is Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes had a down season this year, and we still me and you still called him a top three quarterback in the NFL. This guy was has been. Wallace in the postseason, he had five touchdowns against the Steelers. He had three touchdowns and almost 400 yards in this game against the Bills, who, by the way, the Bills have one of the best defenses in the NFL, and Patrick Mahomes still was able to keep up with Josh Allen in that offense. So says a lot of how good he is, but just, uh, Josh Allen, I do feel like, is in 
he's in that tier, I think, of Patrick Mahomes, but I'm going to say right now that Patrick Mahomes is better. But if Josh Allen can go out there and win a Super Bowl or another Super Bowl, who knows? I, I do feel like the conversation can happen of which one's better. But if you were, if someone were to tell me Josh Allen was better than Patrick Mahomes, I wouldn't be mad. I just think they're both in the same tier, but I think Patrick Mahomes, what he has shown over his career, I do feel like if I were to put any sort of money on who could be the next Tom Brady or who could surpass Tom Brady, it is Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, at this point in time, he's the only guy that has any shot, to be honest. I I don't think he will surpass Tom Brady in his career, but I do want to say that he he is on a Tom Brady-like trajectory, as you put it. Now, just to get into these next two games that we have prior to the Super Bowl, I just want to hear real quick who you got in the Bengals Chiefs and what's the final score? Okay, so Bengals Chiefs kind of go into it. So obviously these two teams played earlier this season and Cincinnati won this game 34 to 31 in Cincinnati. And I think Joe Burrow had like 440 passing yards, had like four touchdowns. Jamar Chase had the most receiving yards in the game for a rookie and had three touchdowns. He had 266 receiving yards and Kansas city, offense was not at the peak that they are right now. And I think that's what's going to happen. Kansas City's offense is hitting their stride at the perfect time. You saw it in the Steelers game. We just saw it again in the Bills game. Patrick Mahomes has thrown eight touchdowns, only one interception, and 782 passing yards and a 76 completion percentage in his last two games. He's been on fire, and I think the Bengals – Look, they were able to hold the Titans offense down. They were decent. They were able to kind of, I mean, the Raiders game, I feel like they were kind of able to limit that offense a little bit, but it was still a close game. I do feel like that Joe Burrow, I'm not going to count him out because I think we've learned that the Bengals cannot be counted out in any single game. But I just feel like that going into Arrowhead, going up against this team is a tough task. And the way that Patrick Mahomes is playing football right now, I would not want to play him. And I think the Bengals defense is not going to be able to contain him. And I think the chiefs are going to win this game. And I think another big factor in this game, what we're going to see is Stefan Diggs was held to seven yards in this game. I think the chiefs are going to walk in to Jamar chase. I think that could mean T Higgins is going to be a big factor for the Bengals if they were to win this game. So we'll see how he plays, but keep an eye on that. And Chris Jones, remember I mentioned earlier about Jeffrey Simmons, right? Jeffrey Simmons was able to destroy that Bengals interior offensive line. Chris Jones is going to probably do the same thing. And I just think that that's going to be a huge factor in this game. So I'm going to take the Chiefs and I'm going to say the Chiefs win 35 to 24. All right. I'm going to take the Chiefs as well. I'm going to say that it's going to be, I'm going to go. 33 to 30. I'm going to say it's going to be tight. Okay. Went on the game when it feels good. saying January Joe's legit and uh, can't rule him out completely. I'm I'm going to say, I'm going to say it's going to be close. I'll say that much. Now moving on to the 49ers and the Rams, I'm going to go with the Rams. I think I've said it all year long that they're built for Super Bowl contention, even though I didn't put them in the category originally as I put Green Bay and uh, Tom Brady, essentially Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Ahead of Green Bay, I had those two guys, uh, those two teams in the one and two spot. I did have the Rams at number three, 
but now obviously they're the only team left and uh, or the, the only team left that I had in that tier. But I did also say the 49ers are a dangerous football team that nobody wants to play in the playoffs. Their defense is legit. However, I do think, unfortunately, at this point, Jimmy Garoppolo is their Achilles heel. And I do think that the Rams defense is going to force him to throw very often. I think they're going to shut down the run game really early. And I think they are going to shut down Debo Samuels. And I am going to say the Rams are going to win it. And I think this one is going to be more of a blowout than people think. I think it's going to be like 28. I'm going to go like 30, 31 to 10. Wow. All right. So I also have the Rams winning, but I don't know about the blowout, but so Kyle Shanahan against Sean McVay is six and no, he hasn't lost. So that's something to take a look at, but I know Stafford has kind of struggled against the 49ers this season. I think both games that he played, he threw uh, multiple interceptions in both of those games. Matthew Stafford hasn't thrown an interception yet this postseason, and he's been he's been playing very good. Obviously, in that Tampa Bay game, he was stellar, right? I think with the 49ers, I think I think you said it best. I think it's going to come down to Jimmy Garoppolo, and look. They've been able to win both of these two first playoff games with Jimmy Garoppolo playing below average. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo had, I believe, in his his last two games, he had 303 total passing yards, zero touchdowns, and two interceptions. So Last two games combined. Two last two games combined, exactly. So he's, he's not been great. And this Rams offense, as we've seen, is an explosive offense. And I think their defense, obviously, is very good. I just I, I just don't think I can say that the 49ers are going to win this game. I mean, they have won both games with Jimmy Garoppolo playing bad, but how long is that going to keep up? I don't think it's going to keep up in this game. I'm going to say Matthew Stafford and the Rams are going to the Super Bowl, and I'm going to say that I think the 49ers defense will relatively keep it a closer game than what you said. I'm going to say that the Rams win 24-17. to 17. So I said a few weeks ago that Kyler Murray, if he was facing the Rams, needed four touchdowns to win the game. Ultimately, they ended up losing by what was it, twenty-three points. So technically, they would have he would have needed four touchdowns to win. Yeah, the game. right. He wouldn't have four touchdowns. I'm gonna say the magic number with Jimmy Garoppolo is three. I think he needs three touchdowns, and if he has three touchdowns, the 49ers will win this game. But I don't see that happening against this Rams defense. So. Yeah, that's that's uh, how I'm gonna justify my. I'm gonna say it's a hot take because I think a lot of people. Seeing what the 49ers have done over the last few weeks are definitely not ruling them out. They're not ruling out the 49ers, but I just think that this is a Cinderella story and the Rams are just built for Super Bowl contention and they're they're set on offense, on defense, whereas the 49ers are set with their running game and they're set on defense. But they, you know, I, I don't want to say this about Jimmy Garoppolo because he's been he's been very stable over the last few years for them when he's been healthy, but Ultimately, he has not been the Jimmy Garoppolo that we really come to know as the 49ers quarterback. And I think because of that, they are going to move on from him in the offseason and uh, they're not going to win this game. If he has three touchdowns, they win, but that's not going to happen. I mean, listen, the 49ers, they're nine and two since week 10. And Jimmy Garoppolo in his last 10 games has thrown 12 touchdowns and nine picks. So it's not been great for him. And I know this 49ers defense is only allowed. 13 and a half points per game in their last two games. So then, and they've been fantastic, but I just, I don't know how long that can keep up. And I just, I really question if Jimmy Garoppolo can get the job done. And I think that's going to pose a really big question as to what they do in the off season. Obviously they drafted Trey Lance. 
does Jimmy Garoppolo get moved if he cannot get the job done, if he puts up a dud? Big, big questions to, to answer, I think, for the 49ers. But we both have Chiefs and Rams in the Super Bowl. I remember that was the matchup that people wanted to see because if you remember that Monday night football game where the Rams won 54 to 51, I know a lot of people were hoping that was going to be the Super Bowl, but we get it a few years later. No Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford this time in our prediction. So we'll have to end up seeing what, what ends up happening there. Yeah, I'm excited for it. It's going to be a good slate of games this week. And it's been a lot of great football during this playoff run. And I'm really excited to see what happens. Me too. But I think that's it for this episode of Rough in the Basket. Let us know who you guys have winning these games. But thank you guys so much for listening to Rough in the Basket this week. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at Rough the Basket. You can follow us on Instagram at Rough in the Basket. You can follow me, Brandon Carr, on Twitter at bcar underscore 13. And you can follow Noah Byrne on Instagram at nburn 37 Noah, what do you have to leave the people off with? Cade Cunningham has four games where he's put up 25 points, five rebounds, and five assists. He has tied the Pistons record in that category with Isaiah Thomas and Grant Hill, and he has only played 36 career games. He is on his way to becoming the GOAT. That's all I got. Oh, man. Kay Cunningham, future GOAT, future number one franchise player in the history of the Detroit Pistons. But Amen. thank you guys so much for listening this week, and we will see you guys next week. Peace out. <laughs>